Well, this is the last seat for many here. Welcome home. Many of you come for the homecoming, and I hope that you have really and indeed come home. Home is a special place, isn't it? Wherever it may be. Some of you probably remember the movie E.T. All of us old-timers saw it, and you young ones have seen it on all other kinds of gadgets that you have at home to see things on. And I remember how touching it was when that funny little creature from outer space who had been left here by his companions pointed to a remote part in the sky and in a very plaintive voice said, Home, home. He wanted to go home. Home is where the heart is. And we've had lots of homes. And home is one of the dearest thoughts that any of us have. And on a homecoming Sunday, I don't know of anything that would be better to talk about than going home. One of the greatest illustrations of homesickness and returning home in the Old Testament, of course, is the Jews. When they were carried away into exile in 606 down to 586 to Babylon for the 70 years' captivity. You remember there that it's talked about how they were so longing to go home. One of the most Punyon of all of the psalms to me must be 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. And then he goes on to talk about what home meant to these captivities, hundreds of miles away with no hope at that time of going back. They were lost and afraid and homesick. Some of the most beautiful passages in the Bible are those that talk about coming home. And I really think that in Isaiah 35, the main theme of this chapter is talking about the Jews returning from Babylon, though it is applied to other things. Beginning at verse 8, I read a few verses. And a highway will be there in a way, and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it. No lion will be there, nor any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and flying and sighing will flee away. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And you know this happened. Cyrus issued a decree, and about five thirty six the Jews came home. First under Zerubbabel when the temple was rebuilt. And then under Ezra when the worship was restored. And then under Nehemiah, three great waves of return home when the walls were built. God's people were back home. Home at last. Home at last. Home at last. To me, one of the most beautiful of all the statements there must have been those that were given by Isaiah. Many of these, as I have read to you. And I think that you can understand exactly what we're talking about. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Home. They're coming home. Secondly, I was thinking not just of the Jews at their home and sickness, but I was thinking of maybe all of us including myself, that we've experienced homesickness. I know you probably would be greatly shocked to hear this. I've never confessed this before, so you, this is a first, I guess. 
But my first day here at Harding was not all that much fun. I packed my bags in a 47 Chevrolet, which wasn't as old as it would be now, but it was old, and put it all the way down here. And I remember getting in West Dorm, one of the Hiltons of those days, uh, and uh, then there in the little room. I remember that night, me looking at my roommate, and I said to him, if I don't feel better tomorrow, I'm going home. Well, I'm so glad I felt better tomorrow. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that the next day, you know, and got busy doing other things. But I came close to turning that little Chevrolet around and heading north, back to Kentucky. I can remember that, and I can identify with that. And I'm sure that I'm speaking to the hearts of a lot of students here and a lot of ex-students, even parents, who can remember that time when homesickness had such a control over our lives and made life so miserable. Brother Benson used to make a comment, I wouldn't give a dime for a student who wasn't homesick, and I wouldn't give two cents for one who couldn't get over it. (laughs) So in his typical fashion, he just said, snap out of it. And I guess that's what we have to learn to deal with. And you know, that's not the only homesickness that you're going to feel. I remember when we got married and moved to Illinois. And, of course, it was wonderful. Being with Treva was always wonderful. But you don't want me to tell you that. You already know that. But anyway, we had a great time up there. And the church just treated us beautifully. But I couldn't remember when the time came to go home. Go back to Kentucky and Tennessee and see our folks. And I remember the nearer we got to Tennessee, the faster that car ran. <laughs> we were so excited to go home. Even when we had our own home, we still miss our loved ones and our family. And I can remember that. I can remember even uh, coming back to reunions here. I can remember the five-year reunion, how excited I was. We were driving in from Illinois, and Treva never had been on campus. And I was so excited to tell her about Harding and what it was all about. I even taught her the alma mater on the way down so she would feel like she was a part of us. And and so when we stood for the alma mater, she could join right in, and she did, you know. uh, She had learned it well. (laughs) But we practiced on that through most of Missouri, I think, and by the time we hit the Arkansas border, we had it down pat. I remember that. I remember how excited I was to bring her here and show her all these things and show her off to all these people and uh, to introduce her to them. You know, these homecomings are great times for hundreds of people. Some have found a wife here. Some found lifelong friends. <laughs> so interesting. I had a phone call last night when I was trying to get this sermon ready, and this fellow talked to me for 30 minutes, and I finally said, well, it was good to talk to you, you know. and <laughs> Call you again someday. You know what he was? He was a former classmate of mine. He'd gotten homesick, I guess. And he was calling me all the way from 600 miles away, I guess. And reliving those days that were 50, close to 50 years ago. That was just last night. We never get away from those things. And these friends that we have here. Some have found a wife. Some have found friends. Some people for the first time found a family. 
a feeling of belonging somewhere. Many of us have come, been blessed to come from good families, but some haven't. And this is the first time they've ever really felt loved and accepted. And it felt like that they belonged. And this is home. That's what home is. And that's exactly what they found here. Floyd Daniels said the longer that they are gone, when they talk of their experience at Harding in the college church, the older they are, the longer they're gone, the more sentimental they become. The younger ones talk about how wonderful it was, but he says the older ones do not talk about it without tears in their eyes. They have realized what this place was all about, home. It may not be in our memory just exactly like it was, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we reconstruct a lot of things with our memory and play like that that's the way it was. Dr. Churchill is the vice president, or was the vice president of academic affairs at Hendricks. And he told me about a woman coming back after many years, and uh, she was wanting to view the campus, try to relive her experience there. And Dr. Churchill just uh, was walking with her, helping her look at the things, and there was a gazebo there on campus. And she looked at that and said, Oh, the old gazebo is still there. That gazebo, he said, had been built that year <laughs> as a part of a dramatic production. And when the show uh, had run its course, they put it out there on campus. There was no much in there a place to put it. <laughs> but do you think Dr. Churchill <clears throat> told that woman that? <clears throat> he looked up at it and smiled at her and said, Ah, yes, the old gazebo. <laughs> Yeah, there's no use in bursting her bubble, isn't it? Yes, live the old gazebo. Yeah, that's just so typical of all of us. Looking for some connection. Looking for some time that ties in and helps us to relive and refresh those memories that we hold so dear. And you know, we come down to another one and that's, we have a homecoming here at the college church. And that's where I'm headed, as you might guess. In case you don't know it, uh, we don't usually have this many here first service. I don't think. I always come to second. <laughs> but I don't think we do. I mean, we have this place packed. And we have many, many of you that talked about going home earlier, maybe, and said, no, I want to go to church and worship there Sunday morning. Because this was home to you. This was your church home. And uh, this is what everybody ought to have. You know, Paul had a church home. He traveled all over the place, and you, many of you learned the missionary journeys and just scads of names to learn, but he had a home base. And that home base was Antioch. He went to Antioch, and he'd leave from Antioch, and he'd come back to Antioch, and he stayed there. And then he left again from Antioch, and then he came back to Antioch. And then he left a third time from Antioch. And I guess he would have gone back to Antioch if he had not been arrested in Jerusalem. See, that was his home. That was his home base. No matter where he went, he had that to be his home. And this church has been a home for many of us. And the reason that many of you are here this morning is because this church meant something to you when you were much younger. 
Here is where you found a home. Probably for many of you, most of you who did, it was your second church home. There was the home, the church back home where you grew up. And then the second church you remember probably would be this one. This was my church home when I was a student. I was out preaching every Sunday, but I was here most of the Wednesday nights. And they had the meetings and I was here because this, as far as I was concerned, was home. And this is where my friends were. And this is where I felt that I belonged. And I know that I'm just one of thousands of people who have felt that way. And if we would only know how many have come through here in, uh, let's see, this church was built, what, about 1950, 52? Anyway, Dr. Gaines will know. Uh, but at any rate, uh, over 50 years ago, how many hundreds and thousands of people have found a home here at the college church. Someone cared for you. Someone was your friend. You felt comfortable here. You had someone to sit with, usually. This was home. Some of you grew up here, but most of us didn't. This is home. And that's why you're here today, because this was home to you. And you know, that leads me to say something. I'm now talking to the members that are here. The visitors, of course, are welcome to listen. But I want to remind you that we are building the homecomings for the future. 20 and 30 years from now, how many of these young people that are now attending this church will be wanting to come back here? And maybe when they come to the college homecoming, they will say, well, let's leave early. No, you, they would say, let's wait. I want to go to church, to college church. That was my home when I was here, my home church. I want to stay over and relive for a moment the worship there and the singing that I enjoyed so much and the fellowship and just recapture the moments that are so dear to my heart. Did you know that? I wonder how many of these students today are going to do that. And I really think that one of our greatest uh, challenges in this church right now is to help newcomers find a home. And I'm not talking just about students either. We have a number of new families that have moved in here. Many, many new families. Wonderful Christian people. Any church would feel honored to have them. We need to know them and we need to be comfortable with them. And we need to reach out to them from our own circle of friends and involve them and let them know we love them and we're glad they're here and, and let them be a part of our family. You know, when I was at Harding as a student, I had my own circle of friends, and I really didn't need any more. Uh, I guess I didn't think I did. I was just busy, and we ran around together and ate together and did things together, and that was about all I needed. It would have been nice if I'd had a good girlfriend, but the Lord was saving another for me, so I'm not going to that. But at any rate, you know, I was okay. One day I just happened to walk by, and there was a boy sitting in dorm singles there at Grad Dorm, and he had all of his stuff just piled over in chaos. He just moved in and didn't know anybody and hadn't unpacked hardly anything. And he was sitting there on this bed. And I did something I very seldom ever do. To my shame, I say that. I went in there and visited with him. Introduced myself and welcomed him to Hardy. 
And do you know that fellow turned out to be one of my best friends? And I wonder how many potential best friends I passed by and never even took the time to say hi to or tell them my name. Just that one little moment blessed me, I'm sure, as much as it did him. And I still keep in touch with him every now and then. You know, I don't want to be too harsh with us, but uh, sometimes we don't uh, run people off. We just freeze them out. We need to be warm and very, very open toward these. Now, I'm not saying we're not doing anything. We have a wonderful program here. We just had a dinner for new members and all of these things. And, oh, I appreciate that so much. And let me say amen to everything you do and, and let you know that this is helping deal with the problem that I see. But I'm saying that one-on-one we need to grab some of these new families by the arm or, or students and Say, come eat with us, or come be with us. Come over to our home and have them there. There's nothing like having someone come in your home, sitting around a table with you. There's hardly anything that takes the place of that. And these people need it. Those of us that have been here 40 years, we've already got settled and probably have all the friends we can take care of, we think, but we don't. We need to reach out and include these people. There's a famous show that probably shouldn't be mentioned in church. Cheers. (laughs) I don't recommend what goes on there at all, anytime. But do you know what the motto of that is? You know, go ahead and admit it. Mike James knows. He listens to it. And if he listens to it, it's all right for me too. Where everybody knows your name. Where everybody knows you say, forget me, we got 2,000 here. But we can learn as many as we possibly can. And there's nothing in the world more beautiful and wonderful and heartwarming than to walk in that door if you're a newcomer and someone shake your hand, call you by name, and say, we're glad you're here. None of us can learn all their names. But if we got enough of us learning their names and reaching out to them, the job can be done, and it can be done well. There's one other home I want to tell you about very quickly. And that is the ultimate home, our eternal home. We're pilgrims on this earth. Hebrews 11:13 talks about the great heroes of faith, these having seen the promises from afar off and greeted them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And in a real sense, every one of us is a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. And as we grow older, we realize that this earth is not for keeps. For we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Second Corinthians 5.1 There's a story told of a minister uh, who had just retired, was coming home to live his last days, and a town hero who came in on the same bus. And they had the band playing for the town hero and all of these things. The minister, they had one fellow there to meet him and uh, take him to the car and drive off. Someone was looking at the difference and said, well, he didn't get much of a homecoming, did he? And one standing beside him said, well, he's not home yet. He's not home yet. Our homecoming is with the Lord. And I hope we never lose sight of that fact. 
And it makes a great deal of difference to answer the question, when I die, am I leaving home or am I going home? There's a story of a young man in Luke 15 who left home. And then he got homesick. And then he came home. And while he was yet afar off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a beautiful story. You know it. Come home. God's invitation to all of you is to come home. He wants you home with him more than anything else in this world. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. O sinner, come home. I'm talking to some of you who need to make changes in your lives. Some of you need to put the Lord on in baptism. Some of you need to make an about face in the way you're living. Some of you need to come home. Will you come? Together we stand.